0: Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Good morning, wherever you are. Hope you're doing well. I'm excited about this show because we've got a guy on, his name is Mark Monroe, and I've seen him a lot in Facebook. He's an active investor, and he has a really, really interesting story. He's got a story of a tenant who stole his lockbox, got the code to get in the house, moved in, and it took Mark six months to get the guy out. So we're going to be talking about this story. More importantly, we're going to be talking about what he could have done to avoid it. What could he have done differently that where this wouldn't have happened? And I think he might even tell a story of a tenant who t- took a shotgun to his house. So we'll see how bad that gets. But this is a deal's gone bad series. And somebody said once, smart people learn from their mistakes. Wise people learn from the mistakes of others. And so on this podcast series, I've got about 20 or 25 lined up. This is number 14 with Mark. But uh, I'm trying to share stories of things that have gone bad. Not everything is all rose colored and blossoms or whatever, right? Like this business is a tough business. It's a very profitable business. But you'll notice every single one of our guests has not quit. They've not given up. They've pursued. They've persevered through these challenges and I have thriving, successful businesses today. And I think this is going to be really helpful. I'm getting a lot of really good feedback from this. Also, we are live right now on YouTube and Facebook. Like Marco, what's going on, Marco? There he is. Good morning, everyone. Hey, Mark. Marco. So if you are watching this live right now on Facebook and YouTube, please type something in the comments. Say hello. Tell us where you're from. Give us a thumbs up and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Would you? I'd really appreciate it. If you're listening to this on audio podcast, subscribe to Apple podcasts, leave a review and appreciate it. So Oh, yeah. One more thing here before we go. I do. I've been collecting all of the notes and we're going to be putting them together together into a book. And if you text the word bad to 313131 or go to jomacall.com slash bad, you can get all of the notes and the references and the links and the lessons learned from all of our guests on this podcast series. And right now they are in a mind map. Pretty soon we'll be putting them into like a resource, a PDF or a book or something like that. But if you want first dibs at it, if you want to get the raw notes as I'm actually live right now, typing them in, then just text the word bad to 313131 or go to jomacall.com slash bad. Cool. All right, so I'm gonna bring on Mark. Mark, how are you?
1: Hey Joe, I'm doing well and yourself?
0: Really good. A little under
1: the weather. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I got a stuffy nose and cold, so I apologize if I'm not my own normal
1: you you, you didn't get the COVID thing, did
0: you? I don't know. I got a test the other day. So stupid. It's a freaking fraud. But don't get me started.
1: Um, literally down here, I've known about thirty people that's all had it, and every single one been fine. One of yeah. them, was, one of them had like a pretty bad flu for about like five days, but everybody else just lost their taste and uh, they had a migraine for a few days.
0: I'm a lot better today than I was few days ago, so things are a lot better. And I'm just frustrated with this whole stupid thing.
1: we're almost over. You know, we had this announced this past week. They have a vaccine. That's what, 90% ready to get. So,
0: well, they're also saying there's more shutdowns coming ahead. So This is not the place to talk about that because we're here to talk about real estate (laughs) and we're here to talk about deals gone bad. So Mark, give us a little history of you. Where are you now? And, and do you, you know, what kind of deals do you do?
1: So got into, not sure my age here, I got into real estate banking back in 1995 up in the Washington, D.C. area. And a couple of my guys we ended up starting our own mortgage company up there. And we ended up blowing it up. God, I was in my 20s at that time did disgusting amount of money <laughs> for my age and you're young and stupid and you don't think the uh, money's ever going to run out. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to leave that and go try something different. I'm making great money. And, you know, you just kind of live and learn. So I've been in the real estate banking game for a long time. Then in 2008, the crash happened and we kind of shifted over to doing some loan modifications. Um, what made us different than everybody else is we actually hired mortgage underwriters. And then uh, I don't remember if you remember Linton Loans, they reached out to us and then we were doing their overflow in the back end and then regulations came down and then you had to be a law firm so we sold that off then we got into doing uh, the lead generation and i've uh, been generating uh leads god for mortgage with clients like quicken loans bank america solar city thousands of attorneys so we had that for quite some time
0: doing lead generation is that what you yeah.
1: said yeah we, we did lead gen so we had, literally we had clients from quicken loans um bank america penny mac i don't know if you know penny mac they used to be the old countrywide people now. They yeah, just kind yeah. of organize. So that was kind of my background. But throughout the years, I've always been doing lease options was my go-to. I did that way back in the late 90s. I followed Wendy Patton. I learned yeah. her course. Um, she was great. So uh, when I was uh, during the time period, I kind of stepped back and I was just kind of doing uh, loans for myself. And uh, I had a little niche at that time. So I'd find sellers that wanted to sell their home, but they couldn't sell to move on. So what I'll do is I'll go in, refinance the property, down to like a two, the rates at that time were like seven, 8%, maybe refinance it, brought it down to like a two year arm. Hey, I'll take over your property. I'll do a lease option on it. So refinanced it, made money off that loan. Oh, by the way, your new home, I want to do that loan. And then I did the lease option. So on one lead, I got three different transactions out of it. Wow. So it worked out really well. And then um, then I got recruited by a national company to go to buy subprime mortgages from you know North Carolina down in my Florida. So I was always out there meeting with banks, buying all their mortgage subprime paper back in the day. So that's kind of a little bit about my background. And um, since the COVID thing hit, I just pretty much went back into. I had a, uh, another business that we did small business lending, like hard money lending and merchant cash advance so i had that for a few years um with my other partner i said hey you know what i'm moving on to something different i'm at a different age i want to slow down and start enjoying life a little bit more yeah
0: very cool all right so you're doing on average how many deals a month right now Um, last month month
1: i did 11 deals good for Um, you yeah and i I really just want to do probably i I don't want to blow up another business i Built businesses, done it, I'm tired. I just really now, I want to probably stay between like three to five deals a month. Yeah. But for some reason now, I'm just getting referrals, people bringing deals to me. Because I do, lease option is one of the tools, of my tool belt. You know, I do the yeah, whole yeah. Thing. I do the owner finance and So I know all that type of situation. So since COVID's here, I'm always just kind of work, you know, I'm stuck at home.
0: <laughs> and you're in Florida, right?
1: Yep. So far, uh, Boca, Florida? Yeah, Boca Raton, South Florida, yeah. near yeah. Uh, Fort Lauderdale. And
0: where do you do most of your deals? Where do you focus?
1: I originally started. Originally was my backyard, but then I started doing some virtual wholesaling or virtual, and that's where this deal came about. My first learning mistake. <laughs> so when I went to do virtual, so now I do Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee. And I have a couple up in Vermont right now as well. So right. usually I'm partnering up with other investors and they're bringing deals and I'm kind of helping them structure and we're kind of doing some splits like that.
0: Cool. So what's your favorite way to bring down deals, you know, to um, them under it, it
1: really comes down to the seller, you know, figuring out the seller's needs, what they're looking for, what they're trying to accomplish. That's really what it comes down to. I'll, I'll look at anything amongst it, it makes sense. You know, that's kind of what my thought process and my approach is.
0: All right. So, but you'll, when, when you buy a house, you try to buy it with subject to or owner financing um, or lease I,
1: option? I feel very comfortable with lease options. I've just known it for years. It's just my go-to, mainly, especially if they're a retail seller and they can't carry the mortgage. That's usually, those are the most easiest, the easiest deals for me, at least. The lease options, but I will do a sub two depending on the situation or a. Contract
0: That's a good deal. question. I'd like to ask you because sure. you know, it kind of relates to what we're going to be talking about too. Like, when do you choose to do a lease option on a deal where you're just leasing it with the option to buy, and when do you choose to do a subject two to take over the mortgage on the deal?
1: It, it depends how much money I have to come out of pocket. Okay, if I had like one, at the I just did one where she was behind in the mortgage. I had to bring her mortgage current. She needed money to move. So I gave her 10,000 to move. I had to put in, I'm into that one for probably about 22,000, 23,000. So that one, you know, I want to have some collateral against the property. If I'm not putting much up, and just doing like first month, last month, security weather, then I'll tend to do like a lease option. It really depends on the situation and and, like Mm -hmm. the seller, how like what they need out of it. If a seller is just, you know, uh, wants to downsize and they want to move on and they don't feel comfortable transferring the property or whatever, I'll just do a lease option on it.
0: Do you feel like there's less risk to you, the investor, when you buy it on a lease option?
1: 100%. If you're doing the sub two, you need to make sure that you have six months reserve because if they default, you got to evict them. You got to make sure you're the one to keep paying the mortgage. You're responsible for that. least options is worst case is you're giving that property back to the owner and they're taking that property back especially when you're going into these type of uh, times coming up i prefer lease options because of the risk factor yeah. and if the market changes it's an option you can kind of just kind of walk away from it. it
0: i've been saying that a lot it's it's the control without ownership isn't it right and um i've always preferred that when i i've only gotten in trouble when i've owned too much, you know, and I had too much debt in my name and too much liability and too much risk.
1: Yeah, and if, it, if the seller is okay doing some type of creative financing, if they only want to do a short term and they want the money out, I'm going to always go to a lease option because if the market corrects, I want a minimum of five years to be able for that market to kind of correct and come back. Um, Otherwise, I'm going to always go to a lease option because it's a shorter term that I can, it's less risky.
0: It's also, I think it's also less risk to the seller too. Absolutely. You were in the mortgage business. There is always that risk that a bank could call a loan due on a subject too. Absolutely. I, I remember talking one time to a guy who worked at City Mortgage and he was working in the, I forget what department it was. But basically, he was telling me what he does, and he, he gets notified whenever there's something, a red flag that happens. And he digs in and investigates what's going on. It could be insurance changed, uh, taxes haven't been escrowed properly. or And uh, I said, have you ever heard of like subject to invest, you know, buying houses subject to? And he goes, oh, yeah we sure have. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. I said, what do you think? What do you know about it? he said, well, you know, we know it happens. And yeah. he knew I was an investor. He said, we know you investors do it. He said, but bottom line, we're so busy. We can't do anything about it, except when you do something stupid and you raise the red flag, which is so easy to do. It is. He said, you know, if the insurance isn't right, if it's not in the right names, you know, and all that. If there's ever any kind of hint of late payments or if you get late, that just makes everything worse. And he said, but be careful, he said because if the market starts turning around and interest rates start going right. up, right? You've got all these loans at 2 to 3%. If rate starts going up to 5 6%, I mm-hmm. think the banks are going to be as quick to overlook those. Oh, no. a, just, you know what I mean? So, anyway, Let's talk about this deal, Mark. Sure. Um, how long ago was this?
1: This was just the beginning of COVID. Oh. When COVID started hitting. Yeah, so right. I would say, yeah, um, early March, late February, early March. It um, was my first deal that I was kind of doing virtually. It was probably about three to four hours from me. And somebody that I know is an investor. He lives in Florida. He does everything up in Ohio. So he goes, oh, you know, just send somebody out to the property, do a walkthrough, take pictures, do an inspection, and have them put the lockbox on
0: this one's in ohio
1: correct well that's what he does My, no this property was here in florida it was uh northern florida and i'm down here in southern florida so it was about four three or four hour drive uh so he said i just give him a lock box tell him to take a photo of the driver's license send it to me i give him a code and they go walk through and they and they tell me when they leave so i'm like okay so he was kind of coaching me through how he does his virtual wholesaling if you will so i had this uh Probably gave it out to about like I don't know five seven people the, the code and they went through and this one couple went in liked the property he said he'll get back to me you know who's interested so what happened was this was like on a I think a Thursday or Friday and I had another couple getting ready to go out and look at the property the following Wednesday. And they said, oh, you know, the door, we can't get in. The lockbox gone in, and this car isn't a car. And I went and knocked in the door and there's people living in the property. I'm like, what? There's people living there. So I started digging, doing some research. And what happened was it was the couple that went to view the property. They went in on a Saturday afternoon unlocked, and just moved all the, everything right into the house and started living into the property. So then we hired, hired an attorney. Uh, we started going through the eviction process. And then, sure enough, in about the second or third weekend, then COVID hit. And then they just froze all evictions. So then I couldn't didn't do anything. Didn't
0: they freeze evictions for people who couldn't pay rent because of loss of income from COVID?
1: That that uh, That's how it finally got them out. But in the beginning, they just froze everything.
0: It didn't matter that they were it there fraudulently.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, that's how it was in the beginning. In the state of Florida. It was just they. So we couldn't do anything. The courts... The courts weren't even open because was completely shut down. The sheriffs weren't, even if the court was open, the sheriffs weren't serving because everybody, you know, it's that stage when everything was completely locked down. So we finally, after months and months... My attorney, we had to literally, he had to dig up and show that this gentleman did not get any type of income loss at all whatsoever. So we had to present that to the judge. We actually did actually a court hearing right on Zoom. It was pretty wild. So it's a judge, my attorney, myself, and then the uh, tenant. So, uh...
0: So the tenant even showed up and they, did they even, they well, had the gall to even show up in the court? Well, what he tried doing,
1: he tried to say that the property wasn't up to code. So when he went in there, he started taking photos of the smoke detector and like a broken window, whatever it was. So he was trying to use that. Hey, the property wasn't up to code. I had to put all this money into the property. Meanwhile, you know, the rent in that, he owed about $12,500.
0: And he had zero lease. He didn't have a signed lease or anything. Yeah.
1: Did no. the judge laugh at him,
0: hopefully, or like...
1: No, because how he put everything in, like he did it in an LLC or whatever, all the bills and everything. So they were trying to say, you know, in the state of Florida, if you're like an LLC, then you have to like, you have to have an attorney representing you. So it's going to stall it another. So this guy knew the system. He was playing the system. So he knew how to install and kept pushing it out further and further. But the judge finally, we just, he just we finally got him out. So Did the funny.
0: judge award damages?
1: No, because... There's really, because how he did it, he has everything in an LLC, so there's really, I couldn't get anything out of it. I mean, I could possibly, you know, turn it over to collections. Maybe that might be an option.
0: Oh, 100% it's, just, it's an option. Yeah. And you should, because that attaches to his credit. Hmm. And if anybody does a background check on him, that judgment shows up. You can garnish his wages. You can hire an aggressive collection agency to go after him. Follow him and that collection. I've done this before and it's amazing how well it works and it may take a couple, three years, but it'll always be following that guy. You get an aggressive collection agency and they will follow him whenever he gets a job or gets any kind of paycheck or gets a checking account they will garnish the wages and take it to pay that judgment and he'll pay you interest during this whole time attorney's fees collection fees and you may never get it but it makes his life a lot more difficult to get any kind right. of credit for cars or appliances or a house I've done this before to a tenant and okay. he owed me maybe three months of lost rent which was only at the maybe two thousand bucks or something like that but he owed me five thousand dollars from interest and attorney's fees and collection agency fees <laughs> the collection agency Agency kept 20, or 50% of whatever they collected, but I didn't care. Um, not that I'm vengeful, and and but like right. the guy stole money from me and he took advantage of me.
1: Oh, and, and the place got destroyed. There's probably another, I think there's another 3500 on top, and the attorney the fees on top of it, it dragged on. So. so
0: even though you may think, this is a lesson learned for everybody, I think, even though you may not ever think you'll ever collect the guy because you put it in an LLC. But you can sue anybody, no matter what they're hiding behind an LLC or not. You can name them. You can name their LLC and you can name their individual personal name. And if a judge rules in your favor and you get a judgment, they get all of your attorney's fees, the penalties, the interest and the you know the damages and the lost rents and all of that. And a good, aggressive a collection agency, they love working with guys like you, because you're giving them permission to pursue this guy. And and this guy that worked for me, man, uh, he'd update me once a month. He was a private investigator. He would do skip tracing. He knew the phone numbers of this guy's mother, his brothers, his sisters, his cousins. He was constantly calling the guy, harassing him, mailing him, contacting his employer, contacting his bank accounts. It was. I felt kind of bad for the guy, but you know what? He called me after about three years and said, listen, I'm trying to buy a house. Can I just... Settle this. Oh wow. And I did negotiate when he finally reached out to me. I said, All right. And I did negotiate a settlement with him. And then he got it, he got it wiped off and he was able to buy his house. But
1: interesting. Oh, yeah. that's so um what's a good way to find a good aggressive collection? if anybody's watching this, if they know, just you know put a note in there. I'd love to know.
0: I found this guy. Um, and it's this has been about 10 years from a referral from a property manager, I think is what it was. Okay. So you know what I did? This is what I did. I called, because I needed to evict him. I called the largest property management company in St. Louis. I asked them, who do you use for your evictions? Because I wanted the, the one eviction attorney, when he brings a case to the judge, the judge knows this guy. He sees him all the time. He just pretty much rubber stamps that kind of an attorney, right? He, and this guy does 20, 30 evictions a week, right? I got this guy, the property management company told me, listen, he he's really good at what he does and he knows what he's doing. Give him whatever he asks for and don't bug him. Don't call him and ask him and he'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. So I gave him everything he needed and he wanted and he said, okay, I'll take care of it. Three weeks later, I didn't hear from him. And I'm like, oh man, I, I don't know what to do. Should I call him and go the other Property management company said, leave him alone. And then sure enough, I got a phone call from his assistant. All right, it's done. We got a judgment and it's eviction, and the tenants moved out, and he took care of everything. And then I asked him, I said, Well, who do you recommend for a collection agent? And he recommended this guy. Okay. He was a local St. Louis guy. And I, I don't even know if I could find his name and number anymore. It's good to know. I'm sure. Uh, ask uh, talk uh, to yeah. big property management companies, ask them who they recommend or who they use for evictions. You want the best attorney that just does most of the evictions in that county. And then ask him who do they use for collections.
1: Got it. I should probably even ask the attorney that did the eviction for me.
0: I would oh yeah. I mean, this guy needs to learn his lesson, in my opinion. He's yeah. done it to other people. He'll do it well, to more. He needs to be stopped. And one of the ways is just aggressive collection agency tactics. Yep. And I've been the recipient of those co- aggressive collections. When I was when the market crashed and I lost everything, man, those guys had no mercy on me. They yep. called me. They called my wife. They called me at home. They called me You're at home. You're
1: on <laughs> well, yeah,
0: that jail. They never threatened me with jail. was never that bad. They, they used every tactic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I remember, though, that's a long story. I won't go into it. But, like, <laughs> I had to beg them, please stop calling me at home. You're waking up my little kids who are trying to, you know, my wife's at home.
1: Oh, yeah. So yeah, I definitely learned some lessons from this.
0: Depressing. One. But this is a good lesson learned, I think, for everybody yeah. listening to this. Because, like, don't let these guys walk over you. There's people who gain the systems like this. And they may have done it in an LLC, but you can still sue them personally. Yeah. And, you know, you, I don't know if you've ever been served a lawsuit or before. But,
1: you know, oh, yeah. I, I During
0: businesses, yeah, they will name you, your nicknames, your middle names, your LLCs, all of the other related LLCs. They'll name this is something that happened to me. Uh, I wasn't involved in the deal, but I kind of was, but it was someone else's deal. They went through in that lawsuit and named everybody involved in the transaction the leasing agent, the property management company, the people who own the property management company, the investors, the private investors, and the I was like kind of a partner with the guy who owned the property. Anyway, they named everybody. And when you do a lawsuit, you can name everybody, you, anybody you want. Doesn't matter if they did it in an LLC or not. Yeah. There's no corporate veil; it can be pierced anytime somebody does something illegal. And if that's what this guy did. And I, I think it would be easy to prove.
1: Was it was it a real lawsuit or was it a shakedown? It's shakedown. Yeah, I, I had one of those. Oh like,
0: yeah, they just were shaking yeah. to see what would fall. Yeah, I really. had
1: one where um, literally it cost us, I think, almost like thirty-seven thousand dollars. It was just. So what happened was now a lot of people probably don't know this, but if you send somebody to your website right and they fill out a form and they uh, you know they're they're on the DNC but they're opting in in um, some states they have to reopt back in after 30 days if not you're violating the DNC and I did
0: for, for cold so, calling yeah. and
1: texting so there's an attorney out there and this is what he specializes in and he just was just shaking it down. You know, that's all he was doing.
0: There's, there's a lot of companies that do that, especially in Florida right now. Yeah, you got to yep. be super careful with ringless voicemail and texting because they're just sending threatening lawsuit letters and yeah. to get you to settle. And oh
1: yeah, yep. They yeah. just look at it and they're like, oh, so my partner just bought this beautiful home in this nice area, and you're sitting there, you know, during dips. Oh, I see you just bought this beautiful home in such and such community. You guys must be doing really well. You know, you just knew it was just a shakedown all the way, and he was just gonna drag it along, drag it out.
0: (laughs) Well, all right. So you got this tenant out. They damaged the property. What did you do then? Did you fix it up? Yeah,
1: just fixed it up and just turned around and got somebody back into the property. It was a big learning mistake on my part. I was just, uh, you know, I think we actually had a discussion several months ago. You're doing one of your coaching calls or something like that. I came on, you and Gavin, and we were talking about it at one time and just pretty much learn like going forward, always use a realtor, showing your properties. You know, let them go in and show the properties. That's probably one of the biggest things. It's so worth paying a realtor their the amount of money. The amount of money that I end up losing on this compared to just paying one month's rent up front by far it, that's the biggest thing. The second biggest thing is because the property was sitting a little bit and I was getting antsy, so I was just grabbing the first one that supposedly. Well, actually, I didn't even grab him. He just kind of went into the property. So that was probably. I think the biggest one is definitely using a realtor when you're doing stuff uh, virtually. That's kind of that's how I shifted the whole process and. My buddy, that he uses it, he said he's never had a problem with it. But you know, it was a blessing, and it's just—it's just so much easier now. Have to worry about it and just let the realtor handle everything.
0: You know, I used to do that a lot with properties, even that were close to me. I would give the lockbox code away. And the worst thing that ever happened to me was somebody stole my uh staging so i had i don't know that wasn't much 500 700 bucks in staging like towels and decorative candles and stuff like that but that sucked you feel violated yeah. somebody but a lot of people do that and sometimes people look at it as it's a risk worth taking because it saves them the time of going to the house and showing it all the time yeah. um when you can just give the lock but it sounds like you you know you did the right things you did you get their phone number did you get the copy of their driver's license oh, yes.
1: i had it all they definitely had it and it was the, it was them you know, it was all the contact information. He just knew the system. He worked it. Come to find out, he was actually a, um, he went around and inspect rentals in the in, for the county. You're like, you know, for the violate, you know, for, I guess you need a, uh, you know, rental certification in that yeah, area.
0: Yeah. So, so he worked for the county? Yeah.
1: Well, he was a subcontractor for the county. Oh, wow. So he knew, he definitely knew how to work that system really well. So, uh, and I'm, I was just shocked. And then, oh, by the way, he actually, with a neighbor, got into it with a neighbor. With a neighbor, actually had to file a restraining order on this guy during that time period. That you know, the, so it was just
0: <laughs> during this time you were you were still paying the mortgage on it. Oh yeah, yeah. You kept the mortgage current. You took care of the seller, which yeah. is good, awesome, good for yeah. you for doing that. You have to. And then you still have the property. Yes. Yeah. Now, if there, what if COVID wouldn't have happened? Do you think it would have been easier to get the guy out?
1: Yeah, we probably would have had him out in about forty five days. The attorney said. Yeah. Yeah, that's what he said. It was just the timing was just unbelievable.
0: That's a huge lesson learned um, when you're selling properties. And this could be for lease options or owner financing or cash deals or any. When you're selling properties, use realtors. I don't know why people are so afraid to pay for that or don't want to, but it just makes such perfect sense.
1: Yep. But then I had a you want to hear about my other one I had my one where the guy took a shotgun to Yeah, uh, yeah, real quick, <laughs> real quick. So I had a property. Uh, this was many, many years ago. I bought a fourplex up in New England in, in Vermont, a small little town. And that's kind of where I grew up. But as I've been down here, actually, you know, the funny thing is, is I played football with Sean Terry back in the day. Did, he really? Yeah, he was uh, we're rivals. He was from the next town over. So anyways, um, what happened was I didn't know this. I'll never end up doing something First of all, fourplex, I only do beautiful homes in nice areas now. And that's, you always say that. So the key to it is always make sure your tenant that you put into the properties are always the good tenants of whoever's buying the property. That's the key to all headaches, <laughs> you know, and yeah. uh, and making sure they're putting a reasonable amount of money down. Because if they have something on the line, they're kind of concerned about losing money. Anyways, this guy, um, I had a property manager. He put somebody into the property. Come to find out this guy was kind of dealing drugs out of, out of the unit. It was a fourplex. So, so somebody moved out, and then he was trying to show the property to somebody else to fill up the other unit. He stopped paying, by the way, the, the one that was in the property. So we're trying to get him out. Then the other people moved out. Every time we want to show the property to a new tenant, he would come out, yell, scream, so nobody wanted to live there. So then another person moved out. So I, out of a fourplex, I only had one person paying the rent, and nobody else was paying it. And what happened was... In the, up there at the time in the state of Vermont, from, I think, the end of November to the end of March, you can't evict during the wintertime. And I did not know this. <laughs> so this guy knew the system. So what happened was the property manager knew the town or the city, and he had other properties. So we took the one tenant, moved her into another another place. So now the place is completely empty. And he actually was friends with the city that ran the water. So we said, hey, we're not paying the water bill. So they condemned the building to get the guy out. And then he took a shotgun and just shot the hole inside of the place all up. <laughs> wow. And then what'd you uh, do? Insurance covered it, but I, I was like, I didn't collect anything for a while. This was, so I learned my lesson never to do like, I don't like, you know, duplex, triplex, fourplex. I don't like those. I, I prefer bigger multifamily, but I always rather stick with nice residential homes in nice areas. You know, it's just less headaches.
0: All right. So here's lessons learned that I've typed up so far. Here. Number one, always use a realtor to show your properties. Pay them one month's rent. It's not a big deal, right? Don't give the lockbox code out. (laughs) Always make sure you really pre-screen good tenants for your properties. Do a full pre-screening background check, right? Don't just take the first one who expresses interest or even who has the money, right? Or who, I'm writing that down, who even has the money. You want to make sure you take somebody that puts a good deposit down on the property, but has a clean background check, who passes the mustard, whatever that means. And avoid renting crappy properties. Stick with nice homes in nice areas.
1: And I would always, always recommend using the RMLL for underwriting your buyers to make sure oh, yeah, they can yeah. qualify. You know that's huge. Um,
0: always use uh, a licensed mortgage uh, originator or broker. Yeah, a licensed mortgage broker to review your tenant buyers. Yeah, absolutely.
1: To make sure they can definitely qualify.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Very good. Because you want to make sure. I'm writing this down.
1: Yeah. I, I had a, I had one recently, just real quick. I had this gentleman, a lease option property that uh, he was a roofer. He owned a roofing company. And on that particular deal, I was looking for first month, last month security and like 3% of the option fee down. So it was like about 10,500. And this one guy, they went and looked at it. They really, really wanted this property so bad, but he did everything under the table. And he, he wanted it so bad, he was willing to double. He was willing to put $25,000 down, but he did everything under the books. And uh, and i knew and we sent him through the rmlo and the guy we told him hey you have 3 years to you know show your income and the guy didn't want to do it so what happened was i ended up turning that guy down even though he had $25,000 i ended up going with somebody else that only had $8,000 to put down and we end up putting him on a payment plan because they're showing the income so yeah you know oh, you yeah. always want to use an RML just for
0: that reason a licensed mortgage broker is going to tell you yeah they can get a mortgage if they do this and this and this over the next 2 or 3 years Correct. and you want to make sure that they have good debt to income ratio they don't have stupid things on their credit that can't be fixed you want to make sure they don't have a you know 5 million dollar tax lien on in their name cuz they'll never get a mortgage right <laughs> you got to make sure they don't have uh, five hundred thousand dollars in unpaid child support or alimony.
1: Like, for me, that's for me, that's key. I want to make sure my who I'm putting in that yeah. property is definitely getting a loan. So I always make sure that who are, like this guy. He, I knew he could pay it. I knew he had a down payment, but I know at the end of three years he wasn't going to be able to get a loan. So yeah. it's like, and that's key to me. It's like, hey, I want to get my other capital out on the back end of that, but yeah. also to make sure that you know it's a win for everybody. Win for the seller. Win for the buyer. And also we make a little bit of money on the deal.
0: That's great. Good, Mark. This has been a good podcast. I sure appreciate you being on. How can people reach you if they want to get to get a hold of you?
1: Um, they can look for me on Facebook. I also have a pretty large group out there, Creative Real Estate Investing. Just look for that group. They can join there or just hit me up on LinkedIn, Instagram. But usually in that, the group is pretty good.
0: I'm writing this down here to put on the thing. There you go. There's a Facebook group called Creative Real Estate Investing. Is that right? Correct. Good. Look for the group. Join it. You're active in there. I've seen a lot of activity. It's a good group. Mark, good, man. Appreciate Appreciate you very much. Thanks for being on the podcast. And guys, don't forget, if you want the notes and the list of all of the lessons learned from Mark and the other people that we've interviewed for this podcast series, uh, go to joemccall.com slash bad or text the word bad to 313131. And we'll see you guys later. Thanks, Mark. We'll see you.
1: Appreciate it.